So I was just doing a podcast recently on Roadhouse with a buddy of mine. You may have heard it. Uh, we were unsure of a few of the people's names from the movie, however, since it had been a while. And let's face it, their pictures on IMDb have changed. They're a little older now. So it's kind of tough to pick out. But luckily for me, somebody reached out to me on Facebook and offered some corrections on where I messed up. And I appreciate this greatly. And as it turns out, it was from Travis McKenna, who played Jack the Bear in Roadhouse. He was one of the bouncers. So this week, what I would like to do is sit down with Travis and talk with him about his career as an actor, bouncer, bodyguard, a number of things he's done over the years. And he's got so many great stories. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. So sit around and take a listen and enjoy the stories from Travis McKenna and his time in the business. Hey everybody, this is Chris reminding you to follow us everywhere where you get your favorite podcasts at. We are on iHeartRadio, we are at Amazon Music, Google Music, we are at Anger.fm with where we're hosted. Most of all, we are on iTunes and Spotify. Please make sure when you listen to us on iTunes and Spotify to give us a 5 star rating and leave us a review. It does help a lot in the ratings and it's very much appreciated. I've also been asked, hey, how can I help support the show? Well, there's two different ways you can do that. Actually, three. The first two ways are we have on the anchor.fm site that we're hosted on a button that says support podcast. You can there press that button and donate any number of money that you like, whether it be a dollar, two dollars, ten dollars, whatever you feel like doing. I've also signed up for Buy Me a Coffee. If you go to the Instagram page for Retro Life for You, there is a link there in the profile where you can buy me a virtual coffee and it's you supporting the podcast and helping us keeping things going. The third and most important way though is word of mouth and telling your friends and family about the show and sharing us with everybody. That is a huge help all on its own. Everything you do is appreciated and it will help the podcast go a long, long way. Thanks for being our listeners and supporters. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, Retro Life for You. My name is Chris Adams, your host of the show. This week, we are going to be having a guest on the show with us. I know I didn't really make mention of this before, but it's kind of a spur-of-the-moment kind of deal here. And I'd like to go ahead and bring him on with us, if I can, here. Let me get him back in studio. All right, with us today is Mr. Travis McKenna. And Travis, thank you so much for you know, coming on tonight. Like I said, spur of the moment, last second thing. And I didn't know what to expect or if you'd have time to even tonight. But ah, no I'm, worries, Chris. Glad I, to I'm be so with you. Definitely glad you could be with us and all. So let me just go ahead and put this out there. Uh, Travis uh, basically uh, did something for me that nobody has done that I've asked for thousands of times over. It was kind of out of the blue. Uh, although I will say a few days beforehand, I sent a friend request out to him on Facebook. I had seen on YouTube, he had interviewed with somebody on there, and I thought, wow, if I had just had his name before I did the podcast this week, could have had him on, you know, talking about Roadhouse, and that being because Travis was one of the bouncers in Roadhouse. So, uh, Travis, if you will, just kind of tell us real quick about uh, your role on Roadhouse uh, and, uh, you know, what you did and everything, so people might recognize you and remember you from the show. Sure. Well, back then I had hair. Lots of <laughs> I did too. <laughs> Mine disappeared <laughs> as well. <laughs> and I, I played, uh, I played Jack the Bear, and uh, I was uh, one of the guys on on the who was 
originally at the, the double deuce. And then when Patrick took over, I got to stay on. I wasn't fired. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, last week we did uh, our show on Roadhouse, which once again, kind of a last moment kind of deal. Originally, I wanted to do Red Dawn um, for a Patrick Swayze movie. And my friend Ray, who was on that week with me last week, uh, he said, you know, I haven't watched it recently and I don't know it as well without going back and rewatching it. He goes, can we pick a different one? I said, well, what about Roadhouse? He goes, oh, I know Roadhouse now. I've seen that <laughs> enough in my lifetime. We can do Roadhouse. I can remember that. So I always pull up IMDb and maybe a Wikipedia page or something to go with some facts and things like that. And uh, so we thought, well, we're going to do this. Well, we get into it. And as usual, for the people who listen to my podcast, Travis, they know. Uh, whoever's on with me, we always get off track on something. And I'm always thinking, like I told you before, who is that guy? You know, the guy back then that did this, right. you know, uh, the guy with the face. Um, you know, oh, man, I can't think of his name. And then we think we got it, and we don't. And so Travis, he reached out to me on Facebook and said, hey, listen to your podcast. Just want to let you know and I'll correct you on a couple of things. And he tells me this and this and this. And I was like, wow. I knew I messed up somewhere. We just see this is what I'm saying. If we just had him on the show before, it would have been good. So, <laughs> nah, no anyway, anyway, like I said, uh, anybody who thinks I'm wrong on something or knows I'm wrong on something or just wants to call and tell me, "Hey, Chris, you're stupid." That's fine. You can <laughs> you can message me on Facebook or Instagram, and even on Anchor.fm, where the place is hosted, the show is hosted. They have a uh, they they have a place where you can record a message for me. And, you know, just you know, let me know these things. I'm always, I always want to hear from people and know if I've done good, done wrong, done bad or anything. So it's all good. Yeah, you guys were great. You were, you know, you were reading some of the lines, some of the one-liners that they had. And, uh, you know, that, that, let me tell you, that, that, that particular film, uh, working on that was great because, you know, I was, I'm a bouncer. I was a bouncer in real life until I retired. You know, I worked with, a lot of rock and roll bands and I worked with the NFL and I, you know, did clubs and, and that kind of stuff. So when they told me I was going to get the job, I go, Oh, so wait, let me get this straight. (laughs) I get to work in a movie with Patrick Swayze and Sam Elliott, two of my, you know, Sam Elliott, one of my favorite actors and just an all around great guy. Patrick was too. And I said, um, I get to fight and not get hurt, and you're going to pay me how much money? I went, oh, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. I am all about that. You tell them, I'm and, definitely taking and, that and, You know, great things have come out. You know, great things came out from that movie because, you know, it's it's been on since I think it came on TV and went on cable back in the back in 90 or something, 1990. <clears throat> it has been on constantly for... 30 some odd years. Right. And and when it first came out, it's funny because when it first came out, when I was out in the world, I would get recognized by people all the time. Hey, you're in that movie Roadhouse. Hey, you're in that movie. Even when I was bouncing, they go, dude, you look so I'm throwing a guy out of the sports <laughs> the LA sports arena. He goes, dude, you look really familiar. I went, yeah, that's what everybody says. And I, you know, but you know, it was great because it was, you know, I mean, it was, it was partly, you know, I mean, uh, an easy job to do for me because like I said, I was a bouncer in real life, you know? Right. It's something so, you already knew. Oh, so, I mean, it just come natural to you at that point. Yeah. I mean, oh. you know, yeah. 
<laughs> and, and like you said, I mean, the, when well, we discussed last week on the show, when it first came out, the the movie was budgeted seventeen million dollars to make, and it only grossed thirty million worldwide. So in in a lot of people's eyes, it wasn't really a success at the box office. At the box office, it was a success because it made money. Well, it, it, it well, almost me, doubled. And, and you know, the but, thing let me, the thing about it. Okay, that movie came out like the middle of May. Okay, well that's like Memorial Day weekend. Then Memorial Day weekend, I think it was like Batman came out, and then I was going to ask Indiana you. Jones movies. I yes. mean, it just it got killed by great movies, but it's been on TV constantly since then. It was on cable. It did really well on cable. I I, I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me and you know said, "Oh man, Roadhouse," I, you know. And a f- funny story, okay? I, uh-huh. I, I at one point, my my buddy uh, Warren K worked for Bruce Springsteen, so Bruce was with his father in law, and they were out in in L.A. and they they went to this place that called the Sagebrush Cantina, and Warren happened to be there at the time when he saw Bruce, and he called me, said, "Hey, Bruce is here. Why don't you come on down?" I went, "Okay." So I go down there, and I, you know, I'm talking to Bruce, and you know, because I'd worked with him, and he. And he he congratulated me. He goes, hey, I saw this movie of the week you did. You did a really good job. And I go, oh, thanks. Well, just then, some guy comes up and he goes, hey, you're, you're Travis McKenna. You're from that movie Roadhouse. And I went, yeah, I am. <laughs> and he goes, wow. He goes, can I get your autograph? I went, sure. I, I, yeah. So I signed the guy's autograph. And as I'm signing the autograph, he looks up and goes, oh, hey, Bruce. So anyway, <laughs> did you guys do your own fighting that movie? Well, okay. First off, Bruce has a wonderful sense of humor. And when the guy walked away, two other people had come up and they had asked me for my autograph and didn't even realize Bruce was standing right next to us, right? So Bruce, when they walked away, he goes, hey, Travis, he goes, I got to congratulate you. You handled yourself really well with those fans there. And I said, praise from Caesar. I learned it from you. And he was, you know, really. But I think he got a really, I think he got a, uh, you know, a jolt of pleasure out of it because one of his guys that he worked for had done something different and done something, you know, noteworthy. And he was really uh, like proud of me, you know, it was really yeah. cool. You know, well, that, is, that is cool. And that's funny at the same time, too, that, that, that if the people really didn't recognize that was Springsteen next to you, or maybe they just thought to themselves, oh, there's no way that's Bruce Springsteen. You know, it's got to be somebody and, else. And arguably, I mean, he looks exactly the same. He's arguably the world's most famous. He's, is he? He's a little less famous than Elvis. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's. Bruce I mean, everybody knows who the boss is. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I, and a nicer guy you'd never want to meet. A great I'm guy. sure. I'm sure. Similar story. I was reading about this uh, the other day. Uh, did you watch the Game of Thrones when it was out? You know, I never did. Didn't know if you were into that kind of stuff or not. But the Emily Clark, or Emilia Clark, I think that she pronounces her name, she played. Uh, the main character, Lady Daenerys, that everybody was so crazy about, the the, the keeper of dragons, the queen, right. or something or other. Uh, now for the for the for the show, her hair is dyed blonde, a really bright, you know, blonde. Um, all well, practically white, you know, as far as the hair goes. Now I, I'm assuming it's dyed, or it could be a wig. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, um, when she, you see her now, it's just. Uh, like a dark brunette or black hair. So she was out with some of the Game of Thrones people, she said, not too long ago. And some fans saw them and went crazy and asked her, would you take a picture of me with the Game of Thrones people? So she did. 
And when they left, she was just laughing. They're like, didn't that okay. bother you at all? And she's like, oh, no. No, it does not bother me a bit. Here, it's here's, great. Okay. <laughs> here's, here's my story like that, okay? The night Roadhouse came out, we went up to the Universal Amphitheater, what used to be the Amphitheater. There's theaters there. And a bunch of us, Marshall Teague, uh, Benny Urquidez, Julie Michaels, a bunch of the guys, you know, all of us went up there. And we watched the movie on the way out. People were coming over and, and they were they couldn't believe that this, you know, they're asking everybody for their autograph and 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 they're all, oh man, talking about the movie and you know, had a big crowd and blah blah blah. So as we're we're leaving, Julie goes, uh, Julie Michaels, uh, she goes, So did you how many autographs did you sign? I said, None. She goes, What? I go, nobody asked me to sign any autographs I, I i as a matter of fact i took a picture of some fans with her and with benny and with marshall teague and she goes they didn't recognize you i go no not one person <laughs> and i just thought well there you go the movie's out i'm not going to get recognized and that's exactly what did not happen because yeah. i couldn't go, go into my local costco uh, which then was called Price Club, I think. And I couldn't yeah. go, you know, everywhere I went, people would, you know, notice me. I I, I did a movie a couple of years, uh, a year or so after that called Batman Returns. And when yeah. that came out, yeah. I took my kids to see it at the drive-in in my house, near my house out in a place called Simi Valley. And when I went in between, between the first show and then that show, I was getting my kids some popcorn. And the guy goes, hey, Guy goes, you're you're the clown. You're the clown in this movie. I go, yeah. That's right. <laughs> he goes, oh my gosh, this is so great. And he wanted to take a picture, and he goes, wait a minute. He goes, you're you're also that guy from Roadhouse. And I thought, well, there you go. <laughs> and I was on a TV yeah. series at the time called Coach. So you know. I oh yeah, I love Coach. I was going to bring that yeah. up with you later. Actually, some of the TV shows you've done. That was that's a that's great. It. That was a great show to work on. Oh, Gary Van Dyke man. is a genius. Yeah, oh, Frank Nelson yes. was a great guy. Um, you know, they had a great cast. Shelly Fabry on there. Shelly uh, Fabry was just the, she's the nicest, the nicest, sweetest woman you could, you'd ever want to meet. And then Bill Foggerbach, he's a real funny guy. And, you know, yeah. everybody on that show was great. It was a, it was a blast to work with them. I am not old enough to remember, to know the Donna Reed show when it first came out, but I oh, yeah. the, the Nick and Knight reruns when it was on. Yeah, and I always always thought she was great on that show. I had a big crush on her. You know, I was younger. I was like, well, she is very, very pretty lady. See, um, and I remember her from that show, and I remember her because I was, you know, when I was a kid, I watched that. But when I was older, she was on um, uh, CBS uh, One Day at a Time, and she had a great part in that. And I remembered her from that, so it was really nice to work with her. Plus, I remember from the movie she did a a surf movie in the 60s and she was just a, it was just so much fun to watch her really good yeah. and just yeah. literally salt of the earth just the nicest nicest kindest woman you'd ever want to meet yeah yeah no, you you've worked with so many great people i oh, mean thanks. would you would you think i mean i i've asked this to other people in the past i want to get your opinion on it too and Money aside, okay, not talking about the money you would make forward. This is more notoriety and fame, I guess, okay? Would you rather have like four or five blockbuster hits where you were like your Tom Cruise, you're well, well known everywhere you go and everything else, or 
would you rather be somebody who just got steady work over the years, got to experience different things, work with different people? I well, mean, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I've said this before in other interviews. I have no interest in the process of celebrity. I'd be really bad at it because I saw a lot of celebrity stuff when I was working as a bouncer and a bodyguard and stuff. And um, I would much rather have worked more and just kept working. I will, all I aspired to be was a working actor. I love, right. I, I have no interest in the process of celebrity. I enjoyed the work itself. That's what I really enjoyed being somebody else or being a version right. of me or being not a version of me. And yeah. I was trying to remember what that was called. Working actor is a very good term for it. I was trying. Yeah. I, I could remember earlier how to how, how you would call that, but working actor is good. It's a good term for that. I've yeah. always thought the same thing. I've always thought I've always thought it would be cool that if I could be on so many different TV series as a guest spot doing this, I wouldn't want to be typecast as one particular kind of role or something like you know you're the DOA body on SD on a Law and Order SBU. And then you're dead on Chicago Hope or whatever the next week. And you're dead on NCIS this week. You know, I, I wouldn't want to do that. But, I mean, something where you can be on different stuff, enjoy different aspects, do some sitcoms, do some of the, the nice, you know, cop drama things on there that are fun. Uh, be in a few different movies and small roles and just enjoy the people you get to meet that you're working with that are up there. But uh, uh, like I'm doing, like it's like me doing this, doing a podcast. Um, I've told some of my friends before. Uh, that, you know, they're like, why do you take the time to do a podcast like this? You know, I said, because first and foremost, I love to do, to talk about things from my, my, my childhood, my youth and everything. Right. So everything retro movies, TV shows, music, toys, cartoons, you know, I, anything. I'll talk about all of it. And I love it. Plus not to mention, I said, I've got to meet quite a few people that um, I got to watch in movies and get to talk to them. And that's not an everyday thing you get to do. No. Uh, when I, so, you know, I mean, I, 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 Burt Reynolds was directing uh, an amazing stories episode. And it was when I was first becoming an actor and he could, I was nervous. It was Burt Reynolds, you know, he was right. directing and he's, you know, to me, Burt Reynolds at the time, I mean, you know, he was Hooper. He was, you know, the guy from, you know, a hundred different movies that you can't I mean, imagine. And First and thing comes to mind just, is Smokey the Bandit to me. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Right. Yeah, he, Hooper, Gator. Right, right. Gator McCluskey, you know I mean? But he was just that guy. Well, he could tell that I was nervous, and he took his time with me and talked to me, and we talked about other things, and he put me at ease. And I left there um, that day. I didn't get the job. Uh, Rick Dukeman did, and he did a great job. Rick deserved the job. But I, I worked later on in a movie called Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain. Yes. And I worked with Lonnie Anderson. And one day I, I had told Lonnie, I, I said, I, I, normally you don't you know, want to chat people up if they don't want to be chatted up. But she was really nice, sweet lady. And I said, I just got to tell you this story, if you don't mind. I said, when I was a young actor, I was like, I think I was like 20 or 21. I can't remember. And I said, I went and read for Bert when he directed the amazing stories that you were in. I said, and he was so kind to me and really kind of worked me through it. And, you know, we read it twice. He was a great guy. I go, 
And I want you to know that really stuck with me. And she started to tear up. She goes, that's the bird, you know, we all want to remember, you know, mm -hmm. and he was, a, he was a great guy. I, but I've met so many people like that. I met, I was work. I used to work at the Hollywood bowl when I ran the backstage and I, uh, one day I, I show up for work and I'm you know, wearing a suit and, and uh, I go, so I, and I hardly ever looked at see who was in the, who was coming. And that night and the next night, it was Sammy Davis Jr. Okay. <laughs> Arguably, you know, one of the greatest stars of all time. Right. So he's getting out of his, his limo, his manager's name, Jolly Brown and Jolly comes up and he goes, uh, as he's getting Sammy out of the car, Sammy goes, is this our guy? And Jolly goes, yep, this is him. And he introduces me. And I said, Oh, Mr. Davis, nice to meet you. And he grabs me, shakes my hand and holds my hand with his other. And he says, Hey, you call me Sammy. And I was going, wow, I can't do that. You know, this, this <laughs> is Sammy Davis Jr., right? He, when I'm walking into his dressing room, which is backstage, he's just so nice. And, he, and they have this big spread put out of all kinds of food and stuff. He goes, hey, Travis, he goes, I want you, if you're hungry or thirsty, come in here and eat and, and take care of this. And, you you know, you're my guy. I want you to, you know, it was, it was just so kind. You know, yeah, and and when he was done rehearsing, he was back in. I had walked him back into the room, and I, I was telling him, I said, you know, I saw some videos of you, um, you know, working a six gun, spinning it, and border shifting and all that. I said, I love that. I've been doing that since I was a kid, and he talked to me for 30, 40 minutes about spinning a gun, how much fun it was, and he, you know, was just he was just so down to earth, just a really decent guy. And um, the day he left, um, he finished his last show on Saturday night. Um, I'm walking him to the car and everybody's getting in the car, his wife, Alfie and, and uh, Jolly, and he's getting in the car. And as he sits down in the car, he looks over at me like he forgot something. He goes, hey, Travis, come here. I go, yes, sir. And he goes, come down here. And I put my head down and he kissed me on the cheek. I was so embarrassed, you know, <laughs> and he goes, gotcha, you know, and I was like, holy crap, Sammy Davis Jr. just kissed me on the cheek, you know, I mean, what a, but I mean, it's, you know, I've, I've had those kinds of experiences and, and I don't think I would have had them had I been, you know, some big star, I didn't, not that I ever wanted that anyway. Right. And, you know, well, that's a good point. It's a very, it's a very valid point. And truthfully, in the business, I was, um, I, you know, there's a guy named Buck Flower, uh, who is a, a well-known character actor, and he kind of took me under his wing. He actually kind of adopted me. You know, he, he used to introduce me to everybody. He's his nephew. And then uh, Chuck Napier, Charlie Napier, who who was a friend of Buck's, and, you know, he kind of took me under his wing. And, and um, a funny Charlie Napier story is that I was doing – um, security for for uh, my agent at the time, and he was a friends of Jerry Bus, and we were at a big party at Jerry Bus's house, and um, in the same building that I used to live in, Vanna White lived across the hallway, and this was before she became famous, and she was again just the sweetest gal. I used to help her with her groceries. She'd go out of town. I'd take care of her cat for her, that kind of stuff. Really right. nice lady. Well, she was there at this party and she was talking to Sylvester Stallone and I walked you know I, I waited till they had finished and 
and she came over and hugged me and gave me a kiss and, you know, Hey, and she went on about her business. And, and so I, I walked, I, Sylvester Stallone, I had to go over. I wanted to introduce myself. Right. And I said, Mr. Stallone, I, said, I, I don't want to bother you. I just want to tell you that I'm a really big fan of yours. You know, I love your, you've so entertained me in some of your movies. I said, you worked with a buddy of mine um, named Terry Funk in uh, one of your first movies. And he goes, Oh yeah. And he, he, and I said, and I said, you also did a police story with a friend of mine named Chuck Napier. Chuck's kind of taking me under his wing and, you know, I'm an actor and stuntman and, and all that. And he goes, Oh yeah, Chuck Napier. Well, it turns out a few months later, Chuck gets the call to do the second Rambo movie. I was about to tell you, I thought that's who that was. I was going to ask you for sure. Was it Charles, Charles Napier, Charlie Napier? Napier. Yeah. Yeah. And Chuck goes, Chuck goes later, you know, he goes, you know, Travis, he goes, you might've planted the seed because I, you know, because I got this job that you talking to him that night might've planted this seed. And I got that job probably because of it. I remember. I remember Charles Napier being in many things. He was on episodes of the A Team as one of the uh, one of the colonels who was always after the A Team and uh, him doing that. Uh, I have a friend. We did a show a little while back. We we called it uh, Sylvester Stallone's greatest character, possibly, and then you know question mark that we put you know Rambo, and we were talking about Rambo's you know one, two, and three basically because they were the ones through the eighties. And we brought up uh, the the guy who did the show with me. He's from Australia. His his name is Timo. Uh, so Timo, if you're watching this, man, thanks again for the T-shirt. He sent me a T-shirt. He does T-shirts, right? And he sent me this T-shirt. And all he all he does is he puts quotes on them. He doesn't put images right. because of for copyright issues, and right? But it says on there, it's got like how the font was for Rambo, where it's in flames in the background right. of the letters, and it says, um, um, uh, what was Napier's name in the movie? Uh, Murdoch. Uh, Murdoch, he says, he says, Murdoch, I'm coming to get you. Yeah, <laughs> That's a, I got the t- maybe a T-shirt for that. It's really cool. And when you, you know, said my, that, um, my buddy, my my buddy uh, Chuck, I was telling you about Chuck Napier yeah. and, and doing that. But um, you know, uh, in the first Rambo movie, um, my buddy Jack Starrett played Art Galt, the the mm-hmm. deputy that beats Rambo. Right. And you want to follow some helicopter? Yeah, yeah. My buddy Jack mm-hmm. Starrett is a great guy. Well, I went to a party at Jack Starrett's house and and uh in comes, you know, um the guy that played the, the sheriff in that movie, Brian Dennehy. Brian Dennehy. And Brian Dennehy walks up and Jack introduces him to me. And I'm, I'm I love Brian Dennehy's another I'm a I'm a big fan of really good actors. I love, you know. And He's a great Dennehy actor. Goes, Dennehy goes, Well, damn, he goes you're about big enough to hunt bear with a switch, you know? <laughs> so that's, you know, and Jack, Jack was a great, Jack Starrett was a great guy. You know, he, he, he had done so much great stuff. He was a director and, you know, he was in, um, uh, uh, God, blazing saddles. He played, Oh yes. Gr- he played grubby Johnson, you know, right. he's up on that. top and he's, he's, he's got that one little, telescope with one hand and uh-huh. he squint, he's he's looking through it but he's squinting his right eye yeah he goes, the sheriff's near yeah the, 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 the bell kept going the off near yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. but jack was a great a wonderful actor and and, and you know a great director so i i and i i tried i i figured 
one of the things I learned when I first started doing movies was my job, one, was not to make anybody else's job harder than it need to be. Okay. Mm -hmm. And two, my job was to do the best I could at what I was doing and make everybody else's job easier. I, I did an episode of, um, oh, geez, uh, Boston Legal. Okay. Right. And I was working with um, uh, Captain Kirk. What's his name? Shatner. William Shatner. Okay. William Shatner. And, and then, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so Shatner's doing the scene and we've done it a couple of times. And in between takes, he looks over to me and he goes, you are the most remarkably consistent actor I've ever worked with, which that's mm -hmm. like, you know, what a that's great high praise right there. And, and I said him. that, I said, well, I said, you know, I kind of know how I'm going to do it and I can make adjustments, but I don't, I, my job is to do my job as best I can. So you can do your job as best you can. And he just looked at me and he goes, he put his hand on my shoulder. He goes, that's great. He goes, that's the, you know, great, great, you know, nice, nice guy, you know. Hey, I'm losing your camera a little bit. Can you go down a little bit with it? I'll start. There you go. Oh, there sorry. You go. No, you're okay. I was just going to tell you, I mean, for the people who are watching, they were only seeing your forehead for a second. So, But it, 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 did, it did kind of bob back up a little bit where you're showing your face, but then it just completely went up to here. Like, Oh, sorry. That's what I, thought, just, I, I knew you didn't want to know. You didn't want to disappear on me. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny how small a world it is when it comes to this kind of type of stuff, okay? Um, I had a, a guy on here for an interview named Patrick Laberto. You, I don't know if you've ever worked with him or not. I, I, I have um, never worked, but I know who he is, of course. Okay, so I had him on here. He um, was in Blazing Saddles uncredited as a kid. Right. Uh, he told me a story how they were playing. His, his scene was about the, some kids were beating him up or something. And uh, the sheriff is already in town. The sheriff goes to break it up. He says, you know, sends the kids on. He says, what's wrong, young man? They These boys messing with you. He says, no, sir, we were just playing a game. And he says, well, what were you doing? He said, we were playing a game called Welcome the Sheriff. Right. And so we were laughing. And I told him, I said, you know, I don't think that movie would go well today. I don't know if it would. I mean, oh. it, it, I mean, it, it, it probably wouldn't go well, but we need stuff like Politi that, though, too, though. Politically correctness has ruined the business everybody you know uh, jack told me that on that on that shoot he said they actually had so much material that they could have made a second movie and i think they actually did do a version that had more more stuff in it but uh -huh. you know he told me some great stories about working on that but it's true you couldn't make that movie today and it's a shame because you know that's i i can watch that I, when i first saw that movie it was like the midnight show when I lived in Maryland, um, we went to the, the, the theater and it was like the midnight showing. And I sat down and I laughed so hard, my stomach hurt. Yes. I mean, I that movie and today, when I, when I, if it comes on TV, I watch it. And I know they cut it up for TV, but that movie is so funny still today, I think. You know. For me, it's that type of humor. I, I love that type of oh, humor. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, um, God, yeah. Monty Python, Airplane, Naked Gun. Can you, you imagine? Know. Can you imagine? Because they wanted Richard Pryor for that part. Can you imagine how that movie would have done if Richard Pryor would have done it? I, oh, geez. Crazy. And Pryor, I used to see, I used to go to the comedy store 
in in uh, mm-hmm. L.A. and see comedians. And and I lived down I lived down the hall from Bob Saget. And you know we used to go in and see you know all these shows. I knew the the doorman's name was Harris Pete, and I used to go talk to Harris, and we'd go in and watch. And I'm telling you, I love to laugh. And and I would go in there. And, um, there was a, a comedian. And he, he, he used to write for Richard Pryor and he wrote for all these great guys. And he had me laughing so hard in there one night. He goes, you're never going to die. He goes, because you laugh all the way down to your toes. That's got to be so good for heart, you know. But, I mean, I, we, we used to see we see Robin Williams. We saw Billy Crystal, you know. Richard oh, you, saw all the, you saw all the all greats, really. Guys. Yeah, you know, all of these guys. And it was great. And it was you know, it wasn't that expensive. You had to buy two drinks, but you know, and back in those days, I, you know, I could drink two drinks and it wouldn't bother me. Right. <laughs> but it's like I said, it's it's so funny how small a world this stuff is. Because like I mentioned, he was in that as a kid uncredited. He was also in the first Three Ninjas movies as one of the one of the little uh, stoner guys that was right. for the kids. He was one of the, okay. Yeah. He was I, one of the doofuses. Well, I did yes. the Three Ninjas movie. And I was one of the three doofus. See, this is not this is hilarious or what? I mean, it's yeah, like it's like a real small world kind of stuff. And I, and I told him, I said, you know, I said I never put, I haven't watched Three Ninjas in so long. I said, but I didn't even think about that being you. And I told him, I said, you're right. I, I pictured it now. And he's like, well, I didn't have the accent going. Uh, you know, he did it for me, a little stoner sound. And I was like, right. okay, right. you got me. That was it. That was you. You know. Um, yeah, you doing the, the high noon one? Uh, you get to work with Hulk Hogan. I think I heard you say before that you used to walk Hulk Hogan to the ring at times. I did. As a matter of fact, when we were on the set, I had my 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 wife sent me um, a magazine that that was the a WrestleMania two magazine, and there's a uh-huh. picture of Hulk and me walking Hulk to the ring, right? And I, and I, I, I asked them, I said, Hulk, I, I don't normally do this, but my kids and I watch wrestling all together. You know, we were real big wrestling fans. And I said, would you mind signing this for my kids? Cause they've seen the picture and they know I walked you to the ring. He was like, yeah, brother, whatever you need. They signed, you know, signed it. And then like a day or two later, he was, he was wrestling with the WCW at the time and Randy Savage, um, Kevin Sullivan, the guy who's now the big show, he was then just the giant. Paul White. Paul White showed up. Elizabeth was there, and they came and visited the set, and I hijacked a golf cart and drove them around. You know, (laughs) Paul Paul White was in the front with me. We were laughing. He's a great guy. And Kevin Sullivan's just a great guy, you know. But, you know, it was really – it was a lot of fun, you know. And I had walked. Paul White strikes Hulk, me as a very nice guy, a very, yeah. very comedic kind of guy. I had walked uh, um, uh, Hulk to the ring, Randy Savage to the ring. Um, you know, uh, uh, like I said, Terry Funk was a, was. A, you know, I had worked with him on a TV series called Wild Side, and then worked with him again in Roadhouse, and then like not too long after that, I was walking him to the ring again. He was. Hey, Travis, how are you? You know, and he hugged me. And, you know, great guy. You know, Terry, Terry and I shared I've, the dressing room for a while on Roadhouse, which was a lot, you know. But really, I, I've watched there. wrestling over the oh, since I was a young kid. I don't really watch it so much these days. I kind of keep up with it, you know, via 
like YouTube, watching the updates of the shows. But I just, oh, I, 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 I work nights. I work second shift, so I don't get to be at home and watch it when it's on or anything. Right. But I, uh, I mean, I, I watched it. Uh, the last I time I was watching it. it consistently was through the Monday Night Wars. They called it. I was right. I was consistent then, but not so much anymore. Well, I don't I don't watch it so much anymore. But I really like. Uh, um, Oh God! The Irish last kicker. What's her name? Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch. I love Becky Lynch. Um, yeah, the man. You know, I love. I love. <laughs> I, I think. I think now it seems to me that the women's um, wrestling is a lot better than sometimes than the men's. You know, sometimes it can Becky, be. Uh, Becky Becky Lynch. You know, and I love Charlotte Flair. You know, mm-hmm. she's. You know, she and she is so physical she's in such great shape and she can some of the stuff she pulls off it just amazes me but uh, yeah. but they all do you know i mean I, they do. And, and i think it's just a little more exciting um, it's know? a much it's a much more uh i don't want to say younger man's game these days it's, it's much more of a athletic acrobatic type Absolutely. of deal because when i grew when i grew up watching it I grew up in Tennessee watching the Memphis wrestling territory, which is the Jerry yep. Lawler territory. Well, he was so big in. So we had Jerry Lawler. We had Bill Superstar Bill Dundee, Dirty Dutch Mantel. We had the Rock and Roll Express come through there, the fabulous ones, the Sheep Herders. And oh, yeah. Randy, Randy Savage come through there, Rick Rude. And it was all more of a physical kind of thing. The, mo- the fanciest thing you've seen happen, literally, was a flying head scissors. Right. And that I, was I used it. to do See, I, and I used to do all the wrestling at the sports arena, and and I'd go up to Fresno with the WWF. Well, and then I went back to Baltimore um, to do the Crockett Cup, you know, mm-hmm. and and you know got to work in the Baltimore arena, which was you know my I played hockey in there when I was a kid, you know, because I'm from that area, um, right? And I got to go back for that. Uh, they, you know, the company that I worked for, Contemporary Services. CSC. They were the largest uh, crowd management company and, and the biggest for many, many years. And so I got to go back for that and, and work there. And, and um, there's a guy named Red Bastine who was like a road agent for the WWF. And he said, hey, if you run in to Dusty Roads, tell him that I said hello. So I the, the first day I'm there, I bump into Dusty Rhodes and I go, hey, I just want to tell you, I work in, in L.A. And um, my buddy Red Bastine told me to tell you hello. And he goes, oh, Red. Yeah. And he I guess because Red was an agent down in Texas and, you know, yeah. knew all those guys. And it was great. I mean, it was, a, you know, it was a good event. And I, I got to go back home for I hadn't been home in a long time. So I got to go back home and. Um, I saw, I saw some relatives and, and my aunt and, you know, saw some friends and got to have steam crabs. And, you know, after the show that night, we all went to dinner. The owner of the company, Pete Kransky took me to dinner with him and we ended up in the same restaurant in Little Italy with all the wrestlers. So they were like, Hey, Trav, how are you? you know, so it was, it was just really cool. You know I mean? It was my, my I have been so fortunate that, that my life has touched in so many different places. Like I, you know, I've had some uh, health issues. I mean, I've been, I was shot five times. I was stabbed. I've had seven concussions. I have no curve in my neck, three herniated discs in my back. Um, I had the West Nile virus that put me in a coma for 24 days. And I just recently 
um, had um, my my right uh, part of my right leg amputated, and I had a stroke five days after they amputated my leg. And so I've been through a lot. So when I was recovering from the stroke, and I had been in the hospital, and I was in a special unit in the hospital, and I I was sitting around thinking about you know my life, and I went, you know what, you just get up. I mean that's that's my I've always been able to get up, no matter what happens to me. I've always been able to get up and move forward. So I was thinking, you know, because it's getting a little tougher to get up and move forward. I went, you know what? Even if you don't make it, you have had an incredible life. I mean, look at the people you've met and the concerts you worked and the rock and roll people you've worked for and the, you know, the 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 the, the NFL and 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 you know, I, I, who'd have thought? A kid from Lutherville, Maryland, would be in the in the movies. I did a commercial that got nominated for an Emmy. You know, wow. the Discover Brokerage tow truck commercial, and it got nominated for an Emmy. I didn't win, but I got to go to the Emmys. Well, it's still cool, though. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, absolutely. Just to be, honest, just to be I, considered for something you know, like and, that. And, like, and, and my greatest and my greatest accomplishment was that I found a woman who you know loved me and. And I raised three sons. I have three grandkids. Uh, all three of my sons have worked for me. I used to run the security at the Ventura County Fairgrounds right on the beach just north of L.A. And mm -hmm. we used to do all their big concerts. I knew half the acts that came in. I had worked with them before. And I, I taught my sons something. And I worked there for 30 years, 30 summers. And right. I got to work with some of my best friends and got to see great people, you know, I, I can't, I can't really, I can't really, you know, get like upset and, and depressed because I have had an amazing life. I and mean, see, really that's, an that's really an life. awesome, that's really an awesome way of looking at it because some, some people would be like, well, won't that, doesn't that just bring you down or something? Don't you, don't you just wish that something better had happened? And then, like you just said, you look at it and you go something better had happened. I mean, I, maybe you look back and you wish some things hadn't have happened, but could something better happen? You've done all these things. You've seen well, all these you know, places and, met and all these people and been in these shows and absolutely. movies. And I mean, look, look, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. I got to hang out with him. I met, you know, Burt Reynolds. I mean, these, these were guys who, you know, I worked on the Dukes of Hazard reunion show, right? Right. And I got to work with, uh, you know, some of the, the the coolest guys, you know. Um, the guy I met Tom Wopat recently, actually. That was that was cool for me. I'm a huge Dukes of Hazard fan. And, and John, okay, John, I had met John Schneider before. He didn't really remember me, but John Schneider used to be um, used to go out and, and play gigs. He was a singer. My buddy Gary Hanley was his backup band on tour. A guy who I used to sing on stage with, you know. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and, and when I was talking to, to John on the set, I told him, I go, you know, Gary Hanley's a buddy of mine. He goes, oh, Gary, you know, and, and then, you know, working with Denver Pyle, who is just salt of the earth. One of, he's done movies with John I, Wayne. I got to, I, yeah, uh, I got I to mean, talk to him. I got to talk to him about John Wayne, who's my favorite actor of all time. I got to talk to Denver Pyle about John Wayne, you know. I got to talk. I tell everybody all the time something funny. I'm like, the world needs a lot more Uncle Jesse in it, and I'm not talking about the guy from you know Family or 
what was that show called on no, ABC? No, 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 I'm no, not no, talking about no. Uncle Jesse. Uh, so I'm like, you know, the world needs a lot of a lot more Uncle Jesse in it, okay? Because absolutely, I, I would have probably given my left hand to sit down and talk with Denver Powell for a day. The man I, was I, in, I got, and I got to I work mean, with him for like weeks. And, yeah, and I mean, he was so. He told me great John Wayne stories and John Ford stories, and then um, who played the who played Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane. James Best. James Best. Okay, James Best. I had just talked to him on a, on a Friday, and I said, you know, one of my favorite episodes is, you know, you did a Twilight Zone, and then he told me the story of working in a Twilight Zone with with um, uh, with with three other uh, Lee Marvin, him Lee Marvin. Um, God, uh, and two of the greatest old cowboy actor guys you've seen on a million. And they, it, I'm sorry, it slips my mind right now. But and with the four of them in the same episode, that Saturday, I happened to be flipping through the channels at home, and that episode came on. So when I came back to work Monday, I said, you're not, you're not I just saw that episode on TV on Saturday. And he was, you know, he was so, he goes, man, he goes, those were the days. He goes, you know, they were so great. And he talked to me and just to work with those guys, you know, I mean, everybody just, on that show, everybody on that show at some point had been a part of something still good and wholesome in a sense, like, like Denver Powell did some Andy Griffith. He did uh Oh yeah. I, I want to say he was on some of the, some episodes of Gunsmoke playing different people. Yep, he was yep. on Grizzly Adams. Yep. I mean, he was all these great things. Then you look back and you look at Roscoe, uh, James Best, James Best being on Andy Griffith, playing a character on there, uh, reoccurring two or three different episodes. I James mean, and plus, not to mention the westerns a, he was in too. And and he had an acting school. Yes. And did you know that that um, Parker Stevenson, the guy he and he and um, the other guy that were, they did the, the the detective show where they the Hardy were, Boys. No, uh, no, not Parker no. Stevens. Well, uh, Parker Stevens was one of the harder boys. Uh, one of right, the harder boys. Right. But the other yeah. one was, um, you know, I can't think of his name either. I can see his face plain as day. Right. But I can't. I can't think of his name though. He and he and the guy that played Major Dad. What's his name? Good oh, Gerald McCraney. Gerald McCraney and him played these two brothers that were detectives. Simon right? and Simon. There you go, Simon and Simon, and. I, th that that was like I, I used to love that show because you, people would yes. pop up in that also, you know. Yeah. But a buddy of mine in his band used to play the theme to Simon and Simon <laughs> as one of his songs in his sets, you know. It's a great theme song though. That's the oh, that's something you don't get. To, that's something you don't get today. You right. don't get the benefit of good theme music for shows back then. You had the opening of the A Team was great. Knight Rider was right. awesome. Miami Vice and the synthesizer sound was really, really cool. People loved it. You had Simon and Simon with that little guitar solo sound to it going on. The right. Magnum PI uh, intro music. I mean, I can, I, the, just the good old boys, Dukes of Hazard. Right. You know, you could go on and on, all these different themes that were so good. Even even the sitcoms right. had good intros. You had different strokes with it. That's memorable. The Jeffersons are memorable. Sanford and Son was memorable, even though it's just instrumental. Everybody knows that little kick right in the middle of it, you know? Absolutely. Everybody, they know that part. So, I mean, we don't get stuff like that anymore these days, and we don't really get any kind of good, wholesome shows either. 
Most of the shows we get today are just, um, it's mostly cop dramas, it feels like, or what seems like probably risque comedies you don't want your kids watching or something if they're too young. Hey, the only decent cop show on TV nowadays is is, uh, is uh, Blue Bloods. I love Blue Bloods. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's a pretty decent show. I, I used to watch NCIS, NCIS all the time. Oh, uh, I, I watch uh, NCIS New Orleans. Yeah, but then that's gone off the air, though. It's, they, they quit it. Oh, did they? Because, uh, I, I, you know, I got to work with, um, I did uh, Chicago Hope, mm-hmm. and I got to work with Mark Harmon, right? Yeah. And um, Mark had seen me pull up one day, and I had a, I had a 79 Bronco, big old Bronco, and on the back I had a pro rodeo sticker on the back. On one side it was um, pro rodeo, the PRCA, and on the other side was a bumper sticker that said, God bless John Wayne. And I used to get more people beeping at me and honking at me with that God bless John Wayne bumper sticker. <laughs> so Mark goes, hey, he goes, you know, I couldn't help. I saw you pull in today. He goes, could you get me one of those pro rodeo stickers from, I go, absolutely. I said, I think I got one in my truck and I didn't, but I went home and the next day I came back, I brought it to him and he was just, he was just not, he wanted it for his pickup truck. You know? Yeah. And I, I said, absolutely. He goes, you got a PRCA uh, medallion in your window. I go, yeah, I, I, I used to do security for all these rodeos and stuff. And one of the guys from the PRCA gave me one. So I could pretty much park at any rodeo I wanted to for free, right? And uh, he goes, oh, can I get one of those? I go, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can get you one of those. I actually was able to get him one, you know. Well, that's cool. But but a really nice guy. He was really pleasant to be around. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, I've had a couple of people who were not, <clears throat> let me say, how can I put this? They were less than kind, okay? Yeah. And, and, and I don't like to you know, harp on those, but I did one of those guys is one of the guys who I worked with in Roadhouse and, you know, I've had some other issues with other people, but it, it, I, it, I just think it was because some folks are just different, you know? And, they are. Not everybody's built the same. I mean, you can have people yeah. who are just meant to be a butt and some people who are going to be nice. And uh, it's funny. I think I know who you're talking about from Roadhouse too, I think, because if it's who I'm thinking it is, I was telling my uh, my friend last week when we were talking about the show, we were talking about the guy that played the bad guy, and I said, I, I don't think I can think of anybody else who would play such nope. a, you know, a natural <laughs> butt than that guy Nailed right it. There. Nailed it right on the head. That's who it, okay, I, I had a feeling that's who it was, because he just struck me as the kind of person that would just be really like that in real life. And, and you know, here's the thing. You know, when there's, you know, the big fight scene in the bar when when he comes in with his gang and you know get into it okay we filmed that for free because they had gone over budget and there was so much that they shot in that movie and we got a phone call um and 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 i get this phone call one day at home and and it's uh, hey this is you know the secretary she goes can you hold for joel silver and i went uh yeah what's joel silver doing call me you know and Joel goes, hey, Travis, how are you? I go, good, sir. How can I, what can I do for you? He goes, listen, <clears throat> we really need to finish this movie, and we kind of run over budget, and it's not normally my thing, but I'm going to shoot for three days, um, but I can't 
pay you. Will you work for me for three days? And I, I didn't even stutter. I, Absolutely. Yes, sir. I can do that. And uh, I, I'd be glad to. And he was just, you know, Joel Silver's just a great guy. And I know there's been some stories about him not being a good guy. I never saw an inkling of that. He was just a great guy. So we went and shot that last big fight scene. And, and I actually, that was the only time I got hurt on that set. And, um, I, you know, they had, I had to go, the, I had to go to the hospital and they x-rayed my hand. And luckily Patrick had a, um, chiropractor friend of his. And after every scene, after every time we shot the scene, he would set my hand again because it was kind of, I had jammed the, and jammed the bones and fingers in it. And he, you know, so that I could continue. Um, right. And that scene actually was a little longer than, than it was. And it, it was pretty complicated, but it was a lot of fun. And I love doing that because, you know, generally, you know, if I fight, I, you know, when I was a real bouncer, you know, I mean, you can get hurt, you know, I mean, obviously, well, you know, yeah. dad shot, whatever, but yeah. this was a lot of fun, you know, and, and Julie, who was, um, she played uh, Ben Gazzara's girlfriend in the movie. She had gone through a really traumatic uh, um, thing and, and was just a, a c complete professional. But she was always so kind. You know, she saw me get up off the ground when I, you know, when I got hurt. And she goes, hey, you, she came over running over. Hey, you okay? You all right, honey? Are you all right? You know, really just, you know, everybody on that set was so, it was so nice to work with. Everybody was great except. You the know, one guy <laughs> one guy and, and you would figure here's the guy who 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 had done so much great work and he's a wonderful actor i mean in I, this is how i look at other actors okay if you can make me love you and then do something that makes me hate you you're a good actor well yeah. he was one of those actors for me Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying the show today, but bear with me just one moment while I get a quick word in from a good friend of the show of ours, Tim, at 80s Flicks Flashbacks. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to an 80s Flick Flashback podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Do you love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes, VCRs, and the video rental stores? Does the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? My name is Tim Williams. I'm the creator and host of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by guest co-host to discuss one of the many movies released in the 1980s. We share our first-time watch memories, our favorite scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. New episodes are released every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an excellent episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. The ad is over. Go home. Go. You know, and I was excited to work with him, you know? And, and I was excited to work with Sam. Sam, salt of the earth. Patrick, great guy. When, when Patrick was working on um, Point point break yeah point break okay my my friend julie was on that show she, yep she's she the lady that jumped out of the shower and beat up keanu reeves right <laughs> that's right okay yeah so she's working on the set well when when my wife um had our my son jake 
I called her on the phone and I was sharing the news and I said, Julie, Julie, sorry to wake you up, but Chris Ann just had, we're having a boy. And his name is Jacob Garth McKenna and he's seven pounds and or six, whatever he was. And it's 22 inches, you know, blah, blah, blah. She went the next day and told Patrick, hey, Patrick, Travis just had his son. It's his new baby boy. He was born yesterday. It was July 17th. It was my birthday on the 18th of July. And I got, I had gone home um, to, to go change because I was at the hospital all night. I came back to the hospital and in my wife's hospital room was a six foot tall white teddy bear and about three or four dozen roses from Patrick <laughs> congratulating me on the birth of my son. That's really now, nice. That's, that's, that's a class act. Yeah. Oh, it really is. It really and is. I, I mean, and I, and I didn't know how to get a hold of Patrick. So I called Julie and I said, Hey, Jules, it's Trav again. Do me a favor. Will you please tell, you know, uh, Patrick, thank you for the, the, the petty bear. My kids played with that teddy bear for, I mean, all three of my sons ended up, you know, sleeping on it. We finally just got rid of it not too long ago because it had holes in it and we didn't want to try and fix it. But I right. had that thing for, I had that thing for 25 years, maybe, you know, that's cool. That's cool. Though. I mean, that's like a, but you know, when someone like that gives you something that cool, you want to hold on to it too, though, you know? Absolutely. But, but again, that's how, that's how fortunately I have been able to live my life, you know, and I, I'm grateful, I'm grateful for it. And, and, you know, I mean, look, nobody ever told me a kid from Lutherville, Maryland was going to grow up to be in the movie business work with rock and roll, some of the biggest rock and roll acts in the world and, you know, meet a, a beautiful woman who was way above my station and have three kids. And now I have three grandkids. And I mean, there was, you know, my, my buddies, my buddies who I, who I worked with for many years actually had a pool that I was going to be dead before I was 30 because I was actually full goose bozo crazy. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, they would go, Jesus, you know, but on when my son was born, Jake, the day afterwards or two days afterwards, a buddy of mine called me and he goes, hey, Travis goes, let's go to lunch. Congratulations on your son and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. So we go to lunch and we sit down and we're at my favorite rib place. And he goes, hey, well, here you go. And he hands me this envelope and I go, what's this? He goes, well, that's the money. I go, what money? He goes, well, he goes, we had a pool that you weren't going to make it till 30. <laughs> we thought you'd be dead. You outlasted you, know, you went a bit. Look, I'd been shot. I'd been stabbed by that time. You know, I almost didn't make it right. I had probably three or four of my concussions by then. And and he, he goes, yeah, well, and there was like 980 bucks. And, and, and it was everybody who had signed up and the date they thought, I, and I made it, right? So I said, look, yeah. you call everybody on the list tell them we're all going out to dinner Monday night. We're going to go to this place because they had all you can eat ribs. And we yeah. went there and celebrated and I picked up the tab except I wouldn't pick up the beer tab because we drank. We, we actually, they ran out of beer because it was, you know, there was probably 15 of us and yeah. everybody was over six feet and everybody was, you know, we were some drinking cowboys, you know, so, you know, it was just one of those things. So I picked up the tab for dinner and, you know, we had all you can eat beef ribs and, and uh, you know, guzzled some beer and, you know, 
It was pretty funny. It was a big time. I, but I, I tell I mean, I, you, I I feel like I'm kind um, kind of like you in a sense in the fact that I'm just I'm glad of the things that I've gotten over my years and everything, no matter how big or small they are and everything. Uh, my, my first podcast was a wrestling podcast because oh, of cool. a, a buddy of mine wanted to do that, and we still like talking. But we were talking about old school wrestling. We weren't talking about really a lot of new stuff. And in the process, like I'm talking to you now, I got to talk to a lot of wrestlers that I grew up watching on television. Right. And uh, now the podcast never made anything. It didn't make a dime. Um, and we wasn't trying to make it make a dime. It was like a hobby. It was fun. Um, and I, like I told him, my, my co-host said, if we don't ever make a dime with this, we are the greatest hobby ever. We get to talk to the people we grew up watching. And how, how cool is that? And he said, you're absolutely right. So, uh, if if you remember if you remember any of these names, uh, there was a uh, Teddy Long who was the of course the guy. so uh, Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express, of Bobby course. Fulton, of, Bobby Fulton of the Fantastics, yep, uh, the Boogie Woogie Man, Handsome Jimmy Valiant, Handsome Jimmy Valiant, loved Handsome Jimmy. He's a character and a half. Uh, I, I I'm not going to remember everybody because it's been a good while. But Brian Christopher, who was uh, who's Jerry, who was Jerry Lawler's son. Um, um, he was a part of the WWF or WWE tag team, uh, too cool or something like that. They're the yeah. ones who would get on stage with Rikishi and dance in the ring. Right. He was one of those guys. And anyway, quite a few more of those. And now doing this, of course, speaking with you tonight, and I've speak. I've had Patrick Laberto and Catherine Mary Stewart, and um, I love Catherine Mary Stewart. What a wonderful uh, actress. She's coming back February the twelfth with me. Hopefully, I don't want to jinx this for whoever's listening now. Hopefully, I don't I jinx met this. Her, I met her at the UCLA used to have this spring get together. It was like a big festival. I met her and her husband there, and I had just seen her in um, what was the movie? Okay, that she did this great movie back in the eighties about a guy who. Is it the last starfighter? The last starfighter. See, this is so this is so funny. Okay, the reason why this is funny is because if everything works out and nobody has to reschedule, her and Lance Guest both are going to be on with me February the twelfth, and we're talking about the last starfighter. Well, I which is one of my favorite movies from the eighties. I love that movie. I love that movie. It's awesome. And she, she, I just saw. What did I just see her? And she just did. Oh gosh, a Hallmark movie or a Lifetime movie? Uh, no, no, I haven't seen that. No, I, I, I used to watch Hallmark movies all the time, but when we moved into this new apartment, we moved. This is the first time I lived in an apartment in a long time, and they don't have the Hallmark channel on their cable. You have to pay extra for it. And when we moved in, I couldn't, I couldn't swing it right now. But um, she did a movie with, um, she plays this, she plays the secretary. And it's about these two guys that go a weekend at Bernie's, and I just oh weekend at Bernie's, yes. She was, yes. and she's a wonderful actress. She's so, you know, uh, just I love her. She's a great actress. So, so see, this is how it's supposed to go. Originally, I was going to get her to come on and do a weekend at Bernie's centric episode. We were going to break it down, talk about it, director, producer her part in it, the people she worked with and all this good stuff. And I asked her if it wasn't too much trouble. I knew her and Lance Guest were good friends. They see each other once a year. She said in the last year when I interviewed her, uh, we talked about all her movies in the 80s that she had done. 
right. so I said, if it's if it's not asking too much, can you please forward my information to Lance? And I would love to get him on to do a last Starfighter episode. So she come back and told me. She said Lance said he would do it. And well, I tell you what, he said, you know, he he'd even come on when I'm on. If you'd like to do a group thing, we have a group episode for the last Starfighter. I'm not, oh, I'm, I, can't, I'm, I can't I can't turn well, this down. You know. Okay. So well, I gotta tell you, you let me know when that comes on. Because I would love to see that. Because I, I, when I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the movies and TV, you mm-hmm. know, and and I like, um, I like everything. I like. There's so many great movies out there, and I like everything. But you know, uh, that uh, as a movie, I, I really considered, you know, that part of the, you know, the '80s. You know, there was another. She did a movie too, kind of about the end of the world in the '80s. Night of the um, Comet. Night of the Comet, another great, you know, she did a great job. You know? I, I just seen that movie for the first time two years ago or three years ago. Oh, really? I think, I think two years ago. And I told her I was ashamed to admit I hadn't seen it when it came out earlier, but my mom wouldn't take me to watch movies like that anyway when I was younger. Right. Uh, but I told her I finally got to see it and I liked it. It was great. I said, I wish I had seen it when it was oh, out. Yeah. I would, it would, it would have stuck with me longer and better, you know. Because when you watch movies from back then that you haven't seen before, the way movies were shot, sometimes it's it's hard to get into them. But this wasn't hard to get into because I knew who she was and I already liked her. I didn't know who Kelly Maroney was at the time. Uh, oh, she but did a really I, good job. Um, she played her sister. She did a really she, good job. She, she did. And I had forgotten she was also in a chopping favorite, mall, too. My, my favorite line from that movie, Daddy would have got us Uzis. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's and it, and the reason I remember that is because that's when I got shot with him. A guy shot me with an Uzi. Oh, that's that's not good. Yeah, I mean it, it's it is a yeah. it is a funny line, but I mean I don't think that would have felt too good, dude. Let me uh, tell you, the, the only time I, I was watching um, a Chuck Norris movie where he plays a cop in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a gunfight. And there's a guy shooting an Uzi, and you could tell it, it wasn't a, a track that they put the, the sound effects in. It was the actual gun going off. And I was in the movie theater, and I went, that's exactly how that sounds. That's, you know, that was live, live ammo, or not live ammo, but it was live I, blanks going through it. It was the actual gun firing it. And I went, yep, because that's what I got shot with. I, I can't even remember what got, movie that is. Uh, but was that his Code of Silence um, movie, or...? Code of Silence. There you go. Is that, yes, is that what it was? Okay. Okay. Well, I wouldn't. I sure. actually um, that they. I was uh, that I got shot back in the day, and like in '88, I was uh, I had this girlfriend, and I was kind of we were kind of rolling around on the the floor goofing off, and and I went, "Ow, what was that? What did you do?" She goes, "Well, I didn't do anything." I go, "No," and I felt something in my back, and I was like, "Oh." She goes, "We have this lump in your back." So I went the next day to um, get x-rayed and the doctor comes running in the room. He goes, you have a bullet right here in your back. I went, oh, yeah, huh? it must have moved because it was up higher on my next to my spine. They couldn't get it, but it had moved and it migrated. And so I went to um, I went to a dermatologist in Beverly Hills and her name was Erin Walker. She was an absolutely one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my entire life. And she goes, okay, well, get up on the table. And they, she gave me some, you know, lidocaine. And she went, made a cut and went in and couldn't quite get it out. And finally, after a lot of work, she got it and it kind of jumped out of my back. And uh, I actually 
took it to a friend of mine who's a Native American named Michael Horse. He's an actor, but he also is a jewelry maker. Michael Horse, um, he said, look, this this bullet's very angry. He goes, I got to perform a, you know, a cleansing ceremony. I do whatever you got to do, man. And then he turned it into a piece of jewelry and I've worn it for 88, 98, 08, 18, 20. Yeah, I mean, like 30 some odd years. Wow. And, and you know, people, I, I actually quit wearing it for a while because people kept asking me, why do you wear a bullet around your neck? And I, I just got tired of telling them the stories when I got Look, shot. The, the fact that you had a bullet in your back and you nonchalantly were like, oh, it's just the bullet. Okay, well, it moved. You know, I mean, that is one thing on its own right there. I mean, well, you know, when, like, when I got there, when it I is. Got, when I, I wondering where that went. I, when I got shot, I drove myself to the hospital. And I've been shot, you know, pretty good. I mean, I got hooked up. I mean, he, he did a number on me. But when I got stabbed, I drove myself to the hospital. And the doctor goes, are you out of your mind? I go, no, I just <laughs> want to wait for the ambulance. And he goes, well, what? I I go, doctor, stitch me up. I got to get back to work. He goes, you're not going back to work. I go, no, I'm going back to work. And he stitched me up. And, you know, uh, I was cut um, about uh, – four uh maybe five and a half inches above mm -hmm. my navel all the way down to my navel and the guy cut me with a can opener you know a bottle a can opener he stabbed me with a can opener and ripped me down and so that's how i got right. you know did, did you tell the, did you tell the doctor pain don't hurt no <laughs> no but he goes doesn't that hurt i go well yeah and like when they when i got shot they were i was on the table and 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 I got to tell you that the weird thing about getting shot was what's what bothered me the most. Okay. Was that I couldn't fight back and all I could do at the time was run. And then mm -hmm. I got out the back door and I held the door shut and the guy shot through the door and hit me a couple of times. But, but what, what, that was the thing. The thing that freaked me out the most was that I couldn't, I, I didn't have the wherewithal to fight back, you know, and that's what kind of freaked me out for a long time. You know, I, I, I took like a year off after that um, and, and had to get my head, you know, out of my ass. And, and pardon my French, sorry. Um, <laughs> I had to get, you know, I had to, had to you know, I go, look, you're not dead. You're, you're fine. You, you know, but it, would, it just kind of freaked me out a little bit. And I was freaked out for a little while. But then I yeah. got over it, you know, and, and I did whatever I had, you know, just did whatever I had to do, you know. Um, it's, it's <sighs> friends of mine, like one of my best friends, I've lost some of my inner circle, two of my partners that I worked with for many years, bouncing have passed away. Um, one had a heart attack. Another one just died within a couple of months ago. And um, the, the only partners I have left are um, this guy named Lamont Williams, who's, sort of a black version of me he's except he's got like three or four different black belts okay um and he's like the only guy who knows kind of my whole story and what i've been through and and he called me the other day well not the other day it was a couple months ago it was after i got out of the hospital and he goes and, and this is like you know again the most amazing thing for me to hear he goes 
Travis, brother, he goes, you're the toughest some bitch I ever met, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm thinking, I ain't nearly as tough as you. You've knocked out more people than I know about, you know, and and he goes, no, man, he goes, think about what you've been through. And I I kind of thought about that for a minute, and I, I, you know, after I hung up the phone, I went, you know what, I kind of have been through a lot, but it doesn't, it doesn't, for me, it's just like, I know that I've been through a lot. I know I've done a lot, but it doesn't seem like any big deal to me. It just, it's like, okay, I've been through that, but you know, there's other people who've been through way worse than me. I mean, guys who go to war and, you know, and do amazing things, you know, um, yeah. you know, guys like Audie Murphy and, you know, guys who've been in the war, those guys are heroes to me. I'm nothing. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I hope I get to go to Valhalla, but who knows, but, you know, those guys are, are heroes. I'm, I'm just a guy, you know I mean? I just, you know, I just see myself as a guy and my job is just to get through whatever I got to get through and get up and move forward again. You know I mean? That's been a little harder lately, but I, you know, but that's, that's my job. And I don't, it's like, I, I, I can't, I, you know, people have said, you know, man, you've been, you've been through these lot, these great experiences. And I thought, you know, I really have, and it's great, but I, it's not, nothing compared to what you know you know some of the other people that that i know have done you know right and and i just i i just gotta i just gotta you know my job now is just to get up and get moving and and get going and and be a good grandpa and you know um be a good friend to to those guys that i got left and to be you know a a decent human being you know i always be thankful for every day that you have is what i always say and just uh that's a, you know it's, one of, it's one of the first things I say every day when I wake up is thank you for another day. Brother, that's exactly, exactly the truth. And, and I, you know, um, I'm grateful for the experiences that I've had. Um, I, I know that I've, look, I, you know, quite frankly, you know, between you and, me and the walls here, I've done some things I ain't too proud of, you know, back in the day. And yeah. I've done things that, but, you know, and, but I, I never considered myself a bad guy. I just wanted to, to do the right thing and do right by the people around me. You know, I mean, I know, I know guys who got women pregnant and left, you know, and I, I, I couldn't do that. Those kids are mine. You know, my, my oldest son is actually from my wife's previous entanglement, but I've had him since he's two. He's my mm-hmm. son, you know, yeah. and he'll tell you, you know, and he, you know, we, we've gone through, you know, we've gone through a lot, you know, and I think um, when, when you, if you fail as a parent and you fail as a husband and you fail as a family person, that's the greatest failure you can have in your life. And I never wanted to do that, you know, and, and I don't, um, you know, every day I try and be thankful and, and be thankful I'm still here and look at what's going to be my next adventure you know right whatever absolutely you know i got you know i i keep I, i've told people this this is so arrogant of me but i've been saying this for since the 80s ain't nothing gonna kill me but me and i know that god has had his hand in my life and i would not have been able to survive all the crap that i've been through if it weren't for God. And I, I know that, you know, I absolutely know that it's not me, it's God, but I gotta, you know, part of it is me because I'm the one that has to get up 
and and move forward. You know, there's a great line in the Sylvester Stallone movie Rocky Balboa. Oh yeah, that speech out, when he's outside talking to his son. Right. And he says it's not about how hard you can get hit. It's about how hard you can get hit, get knocked down, and get back up and move forward. And I went, oh my god, that's that's how I've been living my life for so many years. And I thought it was really cool. And then the other day. Not the other day, but a little while back, I'm watching that show Yellowstone with yeah. Kevin Costner, right? One of my one of my new favorite shows, and he comes in after this horrific attack, and he's in the the he's in the bunkhouse, and he's grabbing a beer, and he says, "They go, oh, you okay, boss? How are you doing?" And he goes, "You know what? I'm pretty much sure that." Ain't nothing gonna kill me but me. And I went, oh my God, he stole my mind. <laughs> you know, you son of you, you. Somebody's been listening to you that you don't know about, and uh, someone took your words. Well, my my buddy, my buddy Atticus played the tribal police chief on that show for the first three seasons. He played Ben. Uh, I can't remember the character's name. Ben something. I, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know his name either. Yeah, that's my buddy Atticus Todd. He's he's a uh, you know, we've been friends for, I don't know, years. And, uh, you know, I'm really proud. You, you know, know what? I'm more proud of my friends when they get work, I think, than I am when I did. You know, I was really proud of him when he got that show. And, you know, we did a, we met because we did a commercial together that never, I think, never aired. But that's how we met. And we became friends. And, you know, it's it's weird how those things happen, but they, they do. So, you know, it's funny. You mentioned um, the, the, the little bit from Rocky Balboa, the, the speech. Uh, we were joking one day and talking about how Schwarzenegger has all the best one-liners, but Stallone has the best speeches. inspirational speeches. You know, it's like absolutely he has, he has the one from Rocky Balboa. He's got an over-the-top where he's talking to his son about you. The world won't, the world don't right. meet you halfway. You're going to go out and grab it, you know, and take it and all this stuff. And, uh, when it comes to um, uh, 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 Rocky, uh, I'm sorry, Rambo 2, where he's like, you know, what do you want? You're like, I want what they want, you know, for people to love the country as much as we love it and stuff like that. I can't right. remember word for word what it was, but he's got he's got the best speeches in movies that I think of that, that really gets you going, that, that motivates you and everything. Absolutely. He's a good writer. Um, there's a there's there, there's a couple things I want to ask you before I let you go for the night and everything. I don't sure. want to keep you all night long. I know I know, I know I know you said you got plenty of time and everything, but I don't want to feel like I'm taking up all your time or something. Nah, no worries, bro. Uh, but the, you, you mentioned working with a lot of bands over the years. Who are some of the big bands? I know you mentioned Springsteen and everything. Who are some of the other big bands that you've worked with and done stuff for? Well, I, you know, at the at the Ventura County Fairgrounds, we had God. Everybody came through. Sticks, John Cougar. Uh, John Mellencamp, my buddy worked with John Mellencamp. I got to do a couple of shows with him. Um, what happens, a, a lot of times what happened was when I got um, hooked up with my wife and, and he, my buddy was all out with these big bands and he'd go, hey, come out and help me if you can. And I'd go, sure. And I'd come out for a couple of days and then go home. But, but um, we, you know, the Sticks used to come, the Beach Boys, um, geez, uh, trying to think of uh, John Cougar Mellencamp. Um, uh, geez, just, you know, I'm trying to think of, of, uh, my buddy is, uh, works with, um, George Thorogood and, yeah. you know, he's come and done a, a show at the, the, up at the, the fairgrounds. 
you know, they, this, these fairgrounds shows are great. They hold about 10 or 15,000 people. We had the biggest show we had there. This is amazing to me was, uh, fluffy, you know, the stand up comedian, uh, Iglesias, um, yeah, Iglesias, right. Can't think of his first name, but yeah, I know you're talking about. Okay, well, he came, and the funny thing is, is I got the I I actually talked to his manager, and I said, listen, I know you guys, you know, I, I'd really would it be okay? I don't normally do this, but I'd really like to talk to you know, um, I'd really like to talk to him. And she goes, sure, you know, he'll be out in a little bit, just you know, going up and tell him. I said, because I got a little story I want to tell him. And after I'd had the West Nile virus that put me in a coma for 20 some odd days, um, uh, I was having some trouble kind of getting back up on my feet because it, it affected my motor function and I couldn't, I had to teach myself to walk again and to, to do things. And, and so I'm, um, my buddy, Mark Zellman, who has passed away, he was one of my best friends. We worked together for many years. Mark goes, you know what you need? He goes, you need to laugh again. He goes, you haven't had anything to laugh about. And you're going, you went through this horrible thing. He goes, you got to see this guy. And he goes, come on. And he came over to my house and we sat down and we watched one of his stand-up routine tapes, right? Mm -hmm. I was laughing so hard. So and then I went, you know what? He's right. I got to laugh. So I looked I looked him up and I watched everything he did. And he made me laugh. So I wanted to tell him. I said, listen. I said, I know you're going to think this is crazy. But you saved my life. He goes, how did I do that? I go, well, I'll tell you. I said, I had contracted the West Nile virus. And I was in a coma. And I almost died. And... I came out of it and I was having trouble and I thought about, you know, not making it anymore, you know? And, and uh, I said, and then a friend of mine showed me one of your tapes and you taught me and allowed me to laugh again. And I said, and that made the difference because truthfully, I said, I don't know if you're going to believe this or not, but I thought about, you know, eating my gun and just couldn't do it anymore. And you got me to laugh again. And I laughed and laughed. I said, you saved me, whether you know it or not, you know? And he was like, wow, you know? Well, and I say laughter is the best medicine. He, let me tell you, and it's the truth because I was really down. I mean, I couldn't, you know, I'm a guy who's, even though I've always been a big guy, I've always been very physical, you know? I mean, you know, martial artist, you know, uh, ice hockey player. I could skate. I, you know, played hockey even as a big guy. Well, I mean, up until that point in my life, I could bend over and touch my palm, hold my leg straight and touch my palms to the floor, right? When I was first dating my, my wife, I was joking with her. She had fixed me dinner. And, and I said, I can, you know, I studied martial arts. We were getting to know each other. She goes, oh, really? What martial art? And I told her, Fusan Su, so it's a real military art. And I said, I can actually kick my foot over the top of your head, either foot, both ways, forwards and backwards. She goes, all oh, bullshit. I go, stand up. So I did it. And she was 
completely blew her away. I said, I can bend over and touch my palms flat to the ground right now. And I did, you know? So, I mean, I was always limber and in good shape and strong as an ox. You know, at one time I was benching like over 400 pounds, you know? Yeah. And so when I, when this physicality was taken from me, I was like, man, what am I going to do? And then after that, I knew I couldn't be the guy throwing the people out of the, you know, out of the fairgrounds and stuff. I had to turn that over to somebody else, but I was still able to run the events. And um, I had told him this, you know, I said, I used to be really physical and, and I could do all this stuff. I said, but you saved my life. I said, and I, I, I'm not saying that just because you're standing in front of me. I wanted you to know that you made a difference, you know, and he did. You know, like I said, I, I, I have had an amazing life. I really, and that'd, be, that'd be a good feeling for him too, though, to know, you know that his, his comedy had done something like that for somebody and, you know, that his work was out there. I, you know, I follow him on Facebook and anytime he's got something, you know, a, a, a blurb on there and he cracks me up, you know, I, but I love comedy. I love to laugh. Like I said, I used to go to the comedy yeah. store and those guys were killing me. You know, um, they, they just I used to go there. I loved going there because I love to to sit there and laugh, you know, and and it's funny because, you know, every comic is kind of different and there's so many different ways they can make you laugh, you know, and I just love that. You know, I love that about life, you know, and, you know, and then we were talking about the TV shows you've been on earlier. I know you've been on a lot of different ones. You've been on some comedy. We talked about Coach. I thought Coach was hilarious and everything. Oh, but great show. What, what was one of your – if you had to pick one of these shows that you had been on, what do you think your, your favorite TV show that you had been into was over the years? Do you have, do you have wow. a favorite or maybe a couple? or? Well, you know, I did some really cool stuff. I did an episode of ER, uh, an episode of Chicago Hope. Um, I did um, an episode of – God, I can't remember the name of the show, and I apologize again. It's a freaking stroke. But I played Brad Pitt. Um, it, it was just a biker guy who had the name Brad Pitt. You yeah. know? Um, but it was really funny. But that was a lot of fun. But I think um, uh, Coach, because it, it, first off, uh, the cast was amazing. But Craig... And the, the the executive producer of the show, they worked so differently. Like Craig was all about um, emotion and feeling, and and the guy who wrote the show and who was the producer, he was more about you know, well, this is what the, the line says, and it's the line, and that. And to watch those two, uh, Barry Kemp was his name, to watch those two work. It, for me, it was so cool because they came from such different places and yet they put out what I thought was an exceptional product. And and I really enjoyed working um, that set because one, you know, Jerry Van Dyke is, you know, he'd done John Wayne movies, you know? Um, and, and, you know... Shelly Fabry and then and then of course Craig T. Nelson I think is just a, a, a wonderful actor yes. and you know to work with Bill Foggerbachy and and you know uh, Claire 
Um, you know, it was just, it was really neat, you know, and it was a really good, for me anyway, it was a really good a learning experience. And I soaked it up, you know, and I had a lot of fun working on that show. Craig, Craig used to crack me up so hard that I sometimes I'd have I'd had trouble doing my lines and I cracked him up a couple of times, you know, and, but I think that was one of my things, but I did a commercial called the discovered brokerage commercial that I think was one of my favorite pieces of work because it was such a, a, a different kind of thing. It was a, a different kind of commercial. And I know, Oh, well, you know, you got this commercial, but, but that was great. And I did an episode of touched by an angel where I had this tiny little part, played the guy that was uh, owned a, a cafe and I got to work with Charlie Schlatter and um, uh, Cloris Leachman was in that episode, but I didn't have any scenes with her, but I got to watch her work and she was, you know, she always blew me away. Just a wonderful, wonderful actress. And I, I think any, any show that I did that I could learn something from, which was all of them, you know, I mean, I loved working with my uncle Buck, Buck Flower and I loved working with Chuck Napier. I did a, you know, we did a movie together and, you know, that was a lot of fun. And, um, but I, I really, um, I think, I think coach was great and roadhouse because roadhouse has kind of stood the test of time. And I mean, I did Batman returns, which again was a lot of fun. And Michael Keaton is a great guy. Um, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer, Danny DeVito, you know, um, you know, the, 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 Danny DeVito's daughter works for Bruce Springsteen and they were in LA and I walked Danny back to see Bruce and his daughter. And I tried to talk to him and he was like, he kind of wasn't really paying too much attention to me and kind of blew me off a little bit. And I was like, wow, that hurt, you know, <laughs> guy for like two months, three months. And that kind of hurt. So when it came time to walk them out to their limo, he and his wife, um, my buddy Warren calls me on the radio and goes, hey, come back and, and walk Danny to his car. I was like, ah. So I had told him the story that he didn't even recognize me, man. So as I'm walking him back, you know, I pick him up backstage and I'm going to walk him. And he's looking up at me. And I go, yeah, I, I said, you, you don't remember me, but my name's Travis McKenna. And I said, I work with you. He goes, Batman Returns. He goes, you're one of my guys. He goes, I shot you. <laughs> I said, that water was freaking cold, okay? I, I landed in water that was like 48 degrees. I froze, yeah. man. It was cold. And, and I can swim. And I was like, God, it was too much. And I go, yeah. He goes, oh. He goes, Rhea. He goes, this is one of my guys, Travis. He goes, you know what? He goes, you know why I didn't recognize you? He goes, I've never seen you without your clown makeup on. And I thought about that. He never did. Because when I was in the makeup room and they're putting all the makeup on, I uh -huh. was in with Chris Walken usually. Yeah. You know? And so he was like, oh, my God. He goes, Travis, how are you? He was just the nicest guy, you know? <laughs> I thought, well, that's what I get for making it. It's like night and day, wasn't it? It was, and he was he was so nice, and his wife was just as sweet as could be. And I put him in their limo, and they went about their business. And I, right now, they, he was he was married to Rhea Perlman, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Cheers, Carla from yeah. Cheers. 
Yeah. yeah. So I, I yeah, got to go so. back and tell my buddy Warren, you know, hey, he remembered me. He goes, well, Travis, of course yeah. they're going to remember you. Well, it's, it's like I told you earlier. You get to work with so many great people over the years and everything, and it, it's really oh. it's really awesome. And I, there's this there's one uh, I didn't mention earlier. We were, we were, we brought up Big So Hazard reunion movie earlier. Right. Uh, I've always loved her movies that she had out when I was uh, I was in high school and I was watching her. We used to refer to them as B movies because they they never made theater here, but they went straight to tape, and they were the the karate movies a lot of karate movies went straight to tape as a you know, the quote-unquote b movie and uh but cynthia rothrock oh that that played uh i i forget her name on the she, she was your girlfriend on the on the movie right. you played you played right. bubba and i forget right. what her name was but she was one of daisy's friends and y'all had this fighting tough man she, contest going on and right I've, I've, I've always loved her. Contest. I mean, to to this day, I follow her on Instagram. She is she is she is so great and everything. She and she's she again, one of the nicest, kindest people that you're ever going to meet. I actually had to kiss her, or she kissed me, or I kissed her, right? And I didn't, um, I didn't, I hadn't informed my wife, <laughs> and. Um, so how was the couch that night, by the way? <laughs> well, we were we were at her my wife's best friend's house watching when it came on. We were watching it on TV. And at the end of the movie, when that happened, I forgot. I just forgot. I mean, look, to me it was like I've been in a fight, I've been kicked in the balls, I've been, you know, hit. I go, I didn't I just didn't think I didn't think it was that big a deal. Well, evidently it was because my wife's <laughs> Hurled a, a diet coke can at my head, and I moved out of the way, and I went by, and and she goes, "You kissed her?" I go, "Yeah, but it's like you know, I got punched in the movie too, but I didn't tell you about that." She goes, "No, no, no, you kissed her." I went, "Well, actually, she kissed me." She goes, "No, no, no, we're gonna talk about this," and it was like, "Oh, I was in the doghouse." But she, you know, but, but I, and, and you know what, truthfully, I should have told her. I just, I didn't think about it because I didn't think it was that big a deal, but you it know, just I was it, was, it. it was acting. You acted like you liked it, but you did. It was, it was really yucky. Hey, <laughs> let me, let me tell you it, it, you know, and that was, there was a couple of cold, quiet nights the next couple of nights, but you know, Hey, I brought it on myself because I should have told her I didn't, you know, but I, I, you know, I don't think I've only kissed one other woman in all the movies I did. And it was a movie called bloody pom poms and or, or no cheerleader camp. It was called when we filmed it, it was called bloody pom poms. But when it came out, it was called cheerleader camp. And I kissed a girl in that. It was the first time I'd ever kissed anybody on screen. And I didn't, you know, it wasn't that, you know, yeah, it wasn't that she did not like me at all. The girl, the actress, yeah, well, she did not. She did not want to kiss me, and I was like, "Hey, I'm, you know, sorry." You know, I mean, look, I wouldn't want to kiss me. Either, you know? Tell her, hey, it's acting. Just act like you like it, and let's get it over she, with. Come on. She was. I mean, and she, yeah, she did not like me, and that's okay. I, you know, I. Look, I ain't everybody's cup of sunshine. I get that. You know? <laughs> I'm like, I'm surprised my wife married me, to tell you the truth. So, because she could have done way better than me. 
you know. But uh, I, you know, I mean, I've I've been, you know, like I said, I I love Dusty Rhodes um, when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. He came out and he said, "Listen," he goes, "I've dined with kings and queens, and I've dined on pork and beans, and I know exactly how he felt." Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's one of his. Uh, that's one of his big. One of his big things he's famous for over the years. Right. I believe. I believe the entire thing was, he's. Uh, um, he's dined in big halls with kings and queens. He's dined in alleys with bums on pork and beans, okay. and yep. uh, do, doing that and doing his uh, whole hard times speech he had. You know, it's hard times. Well, the right. factory closes right. down. The man loses his job. It's hard times, and I used to know all these growing up because I loved Dusty Rhodes growing up. But everybody for, for 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 wrestling, I wasn't a big WWF fan because it was more show, and WCW was more, was more wrestling. Right. And Memphis wrestling that I mentioned was definitely more wrestling because all they do, all they want to do, is throw punches and kicks and slams and over the top rope and things like that. It was just big fights, you know. So yeah. when it comes to WWF, they were they were okay early on. Like when you got to walk Hogan to the ring, I think that was you said WrestleMania two. That was the King Kong Bundy cage match, I believe. Um, uh, I think they, it was. It, I do I do believe it was uh, back then. They had Bundy. some okay stuff going on, but King Kong Bundy you know. did not want me and my buddy Mark Zellman and Bob Lovka to walk him to the ring. He said that really. He goes, that guy's a monster. Those guys are big. I'm supposed to be the biggest thing out there. And and he has a point. But yeah. you know, you're trying to sell him as the big day. deal. This was back in the day when they had crazy fans who'd come over the barricade to get to a wrestler, you know. Oh, they they still do that today. That's, I got hit I got hit in the head with a guy. A guy threw it. I was walking Roddy Piper and Cowboy Bob Orton out of the ring, and some guy up in the load section threw a D battery and hit me right here in the head and it knocked me silly jim Cornette tells a lot of good stories like that about being the heel and uh trying to leave places after you tick people off and getting uh uh, drowned in beer baths and batteries thrown at them and beer bottles thrown at them and uh people want to fist fight them out in the back in the park lot isn't isn't jim Cornette just a wonderful bad guy Oh, he's the best. He's the, he's, he's the best. But first off, he's one of the best talkers that oh, there absolutely. was on the mic. He's the greatest talking manager, along with Bobby Heenan, probably, and Paul oh, Heyman. Heenan was uh, and Heenan, Heenan was a gentleman. Yeah, I, I walked him. I walked him in L.A. I yeah. walked him to and from the ring many times. Walked him out to his car. A gentleman. You know who if, else is, is uh, a, the guy who is Brock Lesnar for Lesnar's manager? Yeah, Paul. Paul Heyman. Um, Paul Heyman. He, he used to go Paul by the name Paulie Dangerously. Right. That's what he used Paul, to be. Paul Dangerously. Paul Heyman. He is another wonderful bad guy. Yes, uh, he he does it well. He he he's. I was going to say he's probably the best talker on the mic. Him and Cornette. One of them. I can't. I can't make up my mind which. When it comes to managers, they're the two best at it. They know how to get heat. They know how to make people mad. They right. know what to say. But the and one, give the one guy, open mic the one guy who I love is a, uh, um, he's a commentator. Where's a cowboy hat? That's Jim uh, Ross. Jim Ross. Jim Ross is. It's a slobber knocker. He, he, let me tell you, 
Jim Ross is just, you know, he's one of the best. But, I, you know, look, I, I, I used to work with Jay Strongbow. He was mm -hmm. one of the road agents at the time. I talked to him because when I was a kid, Jay Strongbow was one of my heroes. Chief you know? Jay Strongbow. Uh, yep, and and when he would do the war dance, man, that would I just love that. I, as think, I don't remember if he tagged him with Mark Youngblood or not. I know Ricky Steamboat did, but I don't know if Strongbow did or not. I don't know if he did, but I let me tell you, I, I you know the guys who I used to love him and Ivan Putsky, I yeah. loved Ivan Putsky, you know. But I you know I come from that that era of wrestling where you know it was something else. The the Grand Wizard. He was a guy who was a WWE, WWF guy. But, you know, I loved, I loved wrestling. It was great theater, and it was a lot of fun yeah. to watch as a kid. You know, I actually <laughs> – I'm so ashamed of this. But I was working at the Hollywood Palladium, and we were doing um, uh, punk rock guy who used to drink out of people's tennis shoes – Iggy Pop, and we're doing a show, Iggy Pop, and this guy came out of nowhere and tried to dive over the barricade to get to the stage, and I caught him, right? And I caught him in midair, and I took him out. I walked down the, the barricade, and I was going to take him out, and his one of his buddies, I guess, saw that he was going to get thrown out and didn't want that to happen, and he came out of left field. Well, I threw this guy on his partner. His partner got up, and I the only thing I could think of was an arm drag takeover. <laughs> and I took him down to the ground, and I put him in a wrist lock, and I put my head on his, his – I put my foot on his head. And I go, listen, I go, you, I'm telling his buddy, he's getting up. I go, you get up. You're leaving. You're both now leaving. I go, but if you want to keep this up, I'm going to hurt him, and then I'm going to hurt you. You're done. You know, and they, you know, by then one of my guys had come out and we, you know, got rid of him. But, but yeah. uh, that I, I, he, he, my partner comes over to me and he goes, dude, he goes, that was the best arm drag take, arm drag takedown I've ever seen. <laughs> You'd make Ricky Steamboat proud. Oh, loved Ricky he, Steamboat. He don't have, he, he had a good deep arm drag, you know. He, oh, yeah. He really, really get into it and bring him over. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you, you had, you'd have him going for sure. Well, man, I want, I want to tell you, I mean, I really appreciate you coming on tonight with me no uh, and, and talking Thank this you stuff. Oh, no, it, it was, believe me, it was my pleasure. I mean, I, I love getting to meet new people like you and talk to you. Uh, like I said, I, I got to see you in, in, in different things coming up, you know, growing up and everything, and Roadhouse being one of my favorites. And whenever you message me out of the blue, I mean, that right, that alone right there to me was something else was something special. I, I told my buddy about it. I said, you're not going to believe who just messaged me on Facebook. Well, I'm <laughs> glad that you, you know, so, I'm glad that you friended me because I, you know, I'm glad I can help you out here and, you know, it gives me a chance to, you know, toot my own horn for a little bit and feel better about myself kind of, you know, cause I'm kind of retired now. I, you know, I wrestle with my kids. I don't, I don't do any more, uh, you know, I don't. I don't do any more brawling. Thank God, I'm retired. Hey, hey we we got to retire sometimes. If I, if I could get that retirement word in my head and get a retail and everything, I'd be I'd be thrilled. Hey, I keep telling I, I I keep telling everybody. I said, you know what? I said, if I luck out one day, this podcast will go boom, 
and I won't have to do it no more. I can just do the podcast. See, that would be great. But, then they said, but they're like, well, what if it don't? And I said, well, then I'll just go back to work every day like I do, and I'll keep doing this for fun because I enjoy doing it. But there's, turn, always, there's I, always that possibility. It may just go absolutely. boom one day and take off. You never can tell. And uh, all I these turn, people that have been coming on, I said, that just builds me up further and further to it. And, and, and plus, and, like know, I said, comes, I just, it comes to it comes to fruition that, you know, I was a student, I was the guy, and then now I taught, you know, everybody, you know, I taught my kids, I taught, you know, worked with a lot of people and tried to teach them how, and I became, you know, the teacher, the master, and now I'm the guy that gets to see that, the fruition, you know, I've given my kids yeah. something they can do, they've, they've actually took over, you know, I said, hey, you know, you guys take over for me. You know, you're going to have to do the, the leg work. I'm just going to be the guy they come to, you know, break glass in case of emergency. And now for me, it's like, you know, I get to do this and I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm going to thoroughly enjoy the rest of my life. And, and uh, you know, this was a, a, a great thing for me. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate that somebody has an interest in, you know, what I did and what I did once upon a time. So oh, there's there's a lot of people out there, believe me, who have an interest in what you've done and everything. And uh, I hope the people who do who watch this and listen to it, you know, get to enjoy as much as I have talking to you and everything and everything today. Well, the, it was the, 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 the video, the video may not be up for a little bit because it takes me so long to video edit stuff. But the audio is going to be this upcoming week, so no worries. This will be the next show. I'll let you know when this comes out and everything. Hey, as well, and good so. hey, and good luck with Catherine Mary Stewart and the other, you I, know, your next one. Thanks, thanks so much. Uh, I did her and Lance guest together. If, uh, like I said, if nothing happens uh, to cause us to have to reschedule or anything, I'm crossing my fingers and everything because that's one of my favorite movies growing up was The Last Starfighter. So hey. I can definitely talk all day about that one. <laughs> so, uh, but I tell you what, do, do me a favor and hang on for a second. I'm, I'm going to run a couple things by when we get off here real quick. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, I'll get back to doing then. So, everybody, one more time, uh, Travis McKenna, and thank you for coming on today with us. So, uh, in, I mean, you're entirely welcome. Thank you. <laughs> All right, thank you. One one moment. All right, everybody. So that was Travis McKenna, and like I said, it was such a such a pleasure and such a fun time talking with him tonight. Uh, don't forget, you can pick up this podcast anywhere you get your favorite podcast. That we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on. Uh, you know, uh, Google and Amazon and Stitcher or hosted at anchor.fm. If you go to anchor.fm and go to Retro Life for You, it's actually www.anchor.fm slash Retro Life number four YOU. There will be a poll you can do, a uh, question of the week based on our podcast today that we did with Travis. Um, so you can participate in that. Uh, tell us about, uh, you know, to your friends and family, recommend the show and everything. If you get a chance, go and leave us a review and a rating. It helps a lot uh, in getting us out there. So I really appreciate that. So thanks again, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the show, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye.